You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. Great to have you with us today. For our Canadian friends, some of you will know what that charcoal bar is. You can guess it right away. But for our American friends, you probably don't know. Nope. So the guessing game is on. Okay. What chocolate bar did I open our podcast with today? If you can name it in Canada, I'll give you a point. If you can get it in America, you're going to get some extra points because you don't have them there. But maybe you've heard of them. You've maybe been here and seen them. So welcome to Tim Talks. Great to have you with us today, Brother Wolven. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing absolutely phenomenal. How about yourself? Oh, man, that chocolate bar is so good. I haven't had one of those for a while. (laughs) Really good. Really good. So that's what it is. Crispy. It's crispy. All right. Um, Doing fantastic. I just preached at a uh, church Sunday that we helped start Amen. Uh, just a few years ago. And Amen. they had one of their highest crowds, had 63 people, I think. That's and great. And brand new start, just had a couple families that wanted an independent Baptist church about an hour from us. Uh, I drove to Sarnia, Ontario for two years, every Thursday night for two years. I had about 25 people gathered together that wanted an independent Baptist church. Amen. And I could not find a pastor. I could not find a man that would take that work. And so we had to let it go. So you found a woman. I found a woman instead, <laughs> and uh, she's doing an excellent job. Sister Mary Margaret doing awesome. And so, <laughs> so, uh, so we left it for five years and just prayed and asked God, and finally we found a church planter here in Canada that was ready to start another church. Amen. And so Brother Bruce Cook took that work and is doing a great job. Amen. Great job that there. is great. Seeing people saved. Yeah. Met two girls from Nepal who are going to school there in Sarnia. They're, they will be uh, laboratory chemists. Hmm. Not very smart girls. I'm working with them a little bit on the side. But... Uh, Super sweet girls, and uh, they were at the church. They just got saved a couple weeks ago, so really, really good. Really enjoyed that, and a great service. They gave us two thousand dollars towards our uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars matching Lord. offering. So that was great. I really love that, and so a super good day. So I really enjoyed that. Amen. How was your Sunday? Well, it was interesting. We had a snowstorm hit us, so we were down, but our yeah. uh, yep. viewership was way up <laughs> yeah how much snow did you get there about four inches but it all came like it started hitting around nine o'clock and you know went till about twelve thirty mm-hmm. one o'clock so you know i understand okay. about the older the older ones you know a little bit nervous about driving those kind of things you know because it was coming down pretty heavy right but it wasn't like a blizzard yeah. type thing. But it, it was coming down really heavy. So we had a pretty steady snowfall. Uh, started Sunday morning about nine and ended about seven o'clock at night. But we only got an inch or two. So oh wow! Not quite as much as you guys. 
So it was really good. So I did see some uh, churches were canceled Sunday night in the States in Ohio. So I, I figured you guys must have got a pretty good. Yeah, they may warp. have. But I think altogether we probably got five inches. But, you know, it's warmed up a little bit today wow. to where it's getting pretty slushy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thank the Lord for right, that. Right, right. Good. Well, the the uh, lakes must have helped us this time. They, I'm watching the weather, 6 a.m., and they got this woman on this particular network. They had a woman from a spokesman from ODOT, spokeswoman, uh, Ohio Department mm-hmm. of Transportation. And, of course, she says the normal, well, we've got 200 crews out in central Ohio, you know, plowing the road. So I would encourage everyone, stay home, please, because that will help the help the drivers on the roads not have to deal with you. So it, please stay home so we can get ready for tomorrow morning when everyone has to go to work. You know, I, I wanted to call in and just, you know, yeah, tell everybody to stay home. I guarantee you, if we had a playoff game, a football game, you know, oh, in oh. Columbus, they'd say, now, when you're going, be careful. But, you know, because it's church, right. everyone needs to stay home oh, sure? to be ready for when you oh, yeah. have to be somewhere on Monday. So, oh, man. <laughs> I know, I know. The world just doesn't get it sometimes. They don't understand. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who listen to the weather person more than their pastor. Well, I would tell older people, be wise, you know. Don't, don't do oh, something yeah. where you're going to yeah. wind up getting stuck. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I received um, just recently uh, a letter that somebody wrote to me and asked for some help, and I have to tell you that this is about the third or maybe fourth time that someone has asked me about the topic we're going to look at this week. Um, most of them are, uh, I don't want to say upset, but they're concerned uh, that they aren't getting preaching that is necessarily inspired by something of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they have a pastor that is doing lengthy studies. Uh, they are doing what the pastor would call an, um, an expository-type preaching or an exegesis-type preaching, and in that, they are not feeling that the Lord is leading the pastor in messages that maybe deal with a specific need of the church or a specific event of the day. And I thought we'd take a look at that, and I think to do that, we've got to clearly define what those words mean and what preaching is all about. And you and I both knowing the task of preaching uh, is not an easy task. We know that there are some variables in how we preach and why we preach, and both of us are probably going to side with the pastor uh, just because we are in that position. But I do understand what some people are saying, and I think we are seeing a somewhat of a, a change in preaching styles of this day, and that's not a bad thing sometimes. So that's what we're going to take a look at this week. So um, why don't you kick us off and okay. give give some explanation. I have some definitions, but go ahead and start well, us off I, with some I've stuff. just got a quote here. I mean, I've got a lot of information, but I've got a quote from Matthew Simpson in his lectures on preaching, 
And here is the place of the preacher. His throne is the pulpit. He stands in Christ's stead. His message is the word of God. Around him are immortal souls. The Savior unseen is beside him. The Holy Spirit broods over the congregation. Angels gaze upon the scene, and heaven and hell await the issue. What associations and what vast responsibility. So, mm. you know, mm. sometimes the the carnal mind, uh, and I don't mean that as intensely wicked, just human, the human mind, we, we think mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the size of the crowd as being such a, you know, great importance. Maybe the people in the pew themselves, maybe the pastor doing the preaching or the individual behind the pulpit. Uh, but it's much, much more than that. Every time we stand up to speak the word of God, you know, it, it's a, it is a great privilege and it's a great responsibility. It's both a, you know, as the scriptures teach, it's both a uh, joy and a holy unction, you know, uh, you know, like the Apostle Paul, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And so, um, you know, I, I think that we've got to understand first, before we talk about the styles of preaching or the uh, different forms of a sermon, we better talk about preaching. You know, uh, uh, preaching is, is a, a pressing, a passion um, it, it certainly it's going to involve some teaching, but um, teaching and preaching are different. And I don't mean just volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, every time I open up the Bible and whether I teach or preach, I want to make application. But the application in a sermon is driven toward a sense of urgency. Make this decision now. Trust the Lord today. Repent of your sins now. Christian, get right now. Um, and, and just a general sermon should have that quality to it. I do hear from, from people that that's, that idea of application is definitely part of the problem today, that there is a great knowledge given. There is a reading of the Scriptures there is some explanation of the scripture, but the application is sometimes not seen or clearly understood. And I think that's missing in, in some preaching today. And I don't know why that is. Um, then is it preaching? I mean, right. is it what I would classify? I mean, that's that's really the heart of the issue is, you know, is there passion? You know, are we, are we caught up, you know, the... The Bible talks about Paul, that whenever he looked about him, his spirit was stirred within him, and he had to stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think of Jeremiah, you know, I, I will speak no more in his, in his name, yet uh, I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. You know, I mean, uh, you know, cry aloud, spare not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that passion, I think, is necessary in preaching. may not be the volume, but it definitely ought to be the passion. Right. I was going to say that sometimes passion is mistaken for volume. Just because you're loud does not mean you're passionate. And, you know, when you're passionate, you don't have to be loud. Um, 
that that is, I think, a confusion sometimes in uh, some. Uh, I I think that every preacher that's listening to this today needs to ask themselves, why am I preaching? What am I preaching? How am I preaching? I think I think those questions need to be asked, and and I think that every preacher has a golden critic that lives with them in their wife. And if if you're a pastor's wife today, and you're not being honest with your husband about the need of change in the preaching sometimes, you're not preaching, you're not writing the messages, but most pastor's wives, I find, know what good preaching is, and they sense the reception of the preaching in the hearts of the people of the church. And there are times when my wife has had to say to me, honey, you're too long. Honey, you're too you're too angry. Uh, honey, it'd be good if we had a message that had some joy and some, you know, whatever in it. And I appreciated that. At first, I get upset, to be honest. Uh, nobody wants to be criticized. But after I started thinking about it, she was right. And so there there needs to be a balance in our preaching. There needs to be uh, a, a target in our preaching. What are, what are we trying to get across to our people? And I think those are questions that aren't asked by all, all the time. Well, you got a better marriage than me. I've never asked my wife in 42 years about my preaching because I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, I've been there. You don't have to ask. She lets you no, know. No, she doesn't. She really doesn't. <laughs> but she does say some kind things, and so that's always a, that's always a blessing, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy, Donald Miller, in The Way to Biblical Preaching says, every sermon should have a theme, and that theme should be the theme of the portion of Scripture on which it is based. And so, uh, Excellent. Uh, you know, before we start characterizing, you know, one type of sermon over another, uh, the, the whole point is preaching preaching spirit-filled messages, preaching sermons that that mean something to us, preaching something that, uh, uh, you know, it has, has impacted us, that the Spirit of God is pressing heavily upon us, that, that we must get this truth out because it's vital. I, I feel like, and I know that I've not done well in every single sermon. I mean, Man, that's obvious. But uh, I feel like that every time I get up to preach, I want to try to stress this this truth that this truth is so vital for you. And someone may say, well, <laughs> you've been in the same church for 21 years, and yet I still feel <laughs> that way every single sermon, that it's vital. It's so necessary. We need this. And that 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 stress, that pressure, that uh, constraint from the Holy Spirit within. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not loud. Sometimes I'm super loud. Sometimes I'm running all over the pulpit uh, platform. Sometimes I'm don't even move from behind the pulpit. You know, but uh, uh, that 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 mm-hmm. yearning that this is this is what I'm trying to accomplish. I never want to just accomplish disseminating information. Whenever that's all I do, I feel like I've mm-hmm. done a lousy, lousy job. Uh, if you take 40 years and average preaching four times a week, 
and sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Let's just ballpark. You have preached approximately 8,000 times in 40 years, four messages a week, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes there's a funeral in there. Sometimes there's a wedding. Sometimes there's a Bible study. So roughly 8,000 times. In that 8,000 times of preaching, I have to tell you that I don't know in those times that I didn't have to beg God every time, God, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to say? Whether I was going through a book study or I was going through a series, Mm -hmm. I I didn't follow what the book said if I was using a a study help. I didn't I, I, I got the information, but I was like, God, if this isn't what our church needs right now, you need to direct me. And there were times when God said, you know, I'm doing a series on grace. And God said, you need to preach on tithing. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you need to preach on tithing. And I'd preach on tithing, and somebody would come to me, I, I don't know how you knew, but that's what I needed. Or, you know, people would say mm-hmm. that was one of the most profound messages we've heard or whatever. It just, you got to listen to what the Lord has for you. And I learned that very early on in listening to some great men of God. And I learned it very uh, early on listening to some guys that I wouldn't consider um, true to the book preachers. Uh, they, they rode a lot of hobby horses and things that weren't often even biblical. So in that, I learned you've got to seek the Lord and give to God's people what God wants them to have, whether it's in the passage you're studying or not. And that's sometimes hard to do. And that takes that takes uh, it, it just takes a real walk with the Lord. And I'm you know both of us we consider ourselves. To be Christians, we're not super Christians, we're not super preachers, but man, we just had to learn to walk by faith and, and to trust in the Lord to give us something from his word. Yeah, so um, has anybody ever left your church either audibly giving you the reason or even an inference that they've not been getting fed or they've disagreed with the sermons? Or yes. Has that ever happened? Yes, on multiple, yeah. t- on multiple occasions. Yeah, me too. What's your first reaction? Um, my first reaction is I, I take it personal, uh, and I ask myself, am, am I feeding Amen. God's people? Am I giving them Amen. a balance? And then, and then my second is, is, is God's house the place where you are supposed to get fed? I think that we have a responsibility to feed on God's Word every day, and that the Word of God on Sunday is to echo what has been studied and given in the home by the head of that home. Your kids ought to be saying, hey, the pastor's preaching exactly what my dad's teaching us from God's Word. And so that gives credence to both. And I think as a shepherd, there are times when the head of the home is not right. The head of the home does go off base. And we have an opportunity to say, hey, guys, this is what God's Word says, and this is what we should be doing. And if you haven't taught that properly to your family, here's an opportunity to get that right. Yeah, of course, we are commanded to feed the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, that, that we shouldn't shun to declare the whole counsel of God. So we do have to feed people. But that's that was my point is, uh, you know, the first thing I always ask, I internalize, Lord, is this true? If this is true and this is just, then I want to repent and I want to get right and I want to be the kind of pastor and preacher that I need to be. Um, 
I think sometimes, if we're going to be honest, we're our worst critics. I remember trying to find a sermon mm-hmm. one year. I was trying to find a sermon because at that time we only put we we didn't put every sermon on the internet, you know, uh, on our website. Just I, I would put a sampling, you know, maybe a gospel sermon, maybe a sermon on the home, but just sort of like a a sampling that people could sort of uh, look at. And I remember one year I'm I'm looking at all these messages. I'm going. I don't think a single one of them deserved to be on in an entire year, you know, out of out of all of these sermons, you know. So sometimes we may be our own worst critic, but I think in in a way, you know, I I always think there's a great benefit to have a a holy dissatisfaction with ourselves that that we're always wanting to be closer to the Lord and always desiring for the Spirit of God to go forth and break upon our congregations, and we can't manufacture that, only he can. Uh, when I was teaching school, and you know this as well, that uh, part of the routine of the teachers to give a quiz, a test, an exam. And I learned very early on from some great teachers, because I didn't go to school to be a teacher. I learned from some great teachers that giving a test is not necessarily to find out what your students know. It's to let you know what they don't know. And it gives you a barometer of your teaching to see if they are getting the message that you are trying to give to them. If a whole class fails the test or does poorly on the test, that's not usually the fault of the class. That's the fault of the teacher. And I think that in this day where more and more guys are not giving an open invitation at the end of the message, A lot of guys are saying, you know, let's just take time to think about what we heard about. Well, that's great. We need to do that. But what I like about an invitation is it's a test for me. Did they get the lesson that I was trying to give to them? Did they they receive the application of the lesson that I've given in the preaching? And so that, that would be another call for me to say, if you're not giving an invitation, that's a good reason to do it. How many of you are saved today? How many got that message today? How many of you are going to do something different because of what you heard today? And it's not necessarily calling people forward, but it's just to give you an idea if people really got what you're trying to say. And if week after week people are not responding with, yeah, we got it, and we're going to do something different, then I think you have to examine your preaching. Amen. Amen. And, of course, there are other kinds of sermons like, for example, Sunday night I preached on the best is yet to come out of Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And so, you know, the majority mm. of people that were there, I presume, know the Lord. And so, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, come forward if you've not thought about heaven as much as an encouragement and a right. and a blessing. And this is our motivation. This is one of the reasons that we have the motivation to keep serving in drudgery, what we may seem to think as drudgery or pain or opposition or uh, grief or whatever it is, because we know that something better is coming. So not every sermon is going to be conducive to a large altar call, but, but every time I want to give one, every time I believe that people deserve right. the opportunity to make that decision to get right with God. Right. 
Right. And and like you said, not everybody's going to get saved. Not everybody's going to get baptized. But I will say, how many of you got something today? How many of you got something from that message you can use today? How, how many God touched your heart today in, in this service today? Just Amen. kind of a general, you know, Amen. buckshot kind of call. And, and, you know, often people will say, yeah, I got something. They didn't necessarily come forward, but... If they got something, that's that's what I'm set out to do. It doesn't make sense for me to get up and and not give them something that they can take home and use and and better their Christian lives. Well, buddy, yeah, I've been going to church for 62 years, every single service. I only really remember the last 57 years, basically. Um, got saved when I was I was five years old. Um, I probably, I'm trying to think over my general lifetime before um, going into the ministry, um, I probably hit the altar maybe six times a year, you know, probably, maybe an average like that, you know, something something about an extra burden or a very special decision. But I, I bet you over a third of the time I did business with the Lord right there in the pew. Mm-hmm. And so I am thankful for public invitations because it has helped me in my, and I know we, we're wandering away a little bit, but but you are right. If you're preaching with that purpose, you're preaching to that point of decision-making, you know, I mean, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to encourage, to try to help. And even as a, in uh, 20 years as an assistant pastor, Although I was at the front ready to deal with people, if there were times that perhaps maybe nobody was needing my assistance, man, there were times that I still went forward, yeah. you know, and, and uh, did some business at the altar. There's There were a couple of times that I didn't wait on anybody else. I needed to get to the altar myself, regardless of, you know, what else was going on. Uh, and, and so... And I'm thankful for a public invitation, but, you know, I'm also thankful that almost everywhere that I've either grown up or served, uh, the preaching was passionate enough to where um, I was thankful there was the opportunity to make that decision. And, uh, you know, just filled with the Spirit of God, I probably heard, I bet I've heard 500, maybe 800 different preachers in my life, maybe a thousand, I don't know. Mm But uh, most all of them I've heard, they preached, they didn't talk. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, our time has flown by today. 26 minutes we're at right now, and uh, good stuff. There's a lot to say on this, and I think this is going to be a great week. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that somebody brought this up. And uh, like I say, I've had uh, several folks ask me about these kind of things, and I'm looking forward to bringing some things on uh, Wednesday. Um I'm, I'm going to ask on Wednesday, don't answer the question now, but uh, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, pulpit versus lectern, pulpit versus a music stand. Um, I, I've been in different churches where they're using uh, both, um, and I don't know if you have a preference on that or an idea about that, but I want to take a look at that on Wednesday. It's not a huge issue. It's not a big you know, dividing point, but uh, just who'd you think about that. Um, so till then... Uh, I will let you know that I'm going to enjoy another delicious, another delicious bite of this great Canadian chocolate bar. Mm. And I'm going to say this is Al Stone, just just on the edge of heaven with my delicious chocolate bar. What is it? What kind is it? Let me know. Email me, dralstone at gmail.com. 
and uh, see if you can win the Name the Chocolate Bar Contest. This is Dan Wolven in Columbus, Ohio. Listen. Nope, that's not me. I can't hear you. I'm not eating any chocolate bars because uh, <laughs> I'm too fat already, and I've sworn them off at least for today. <laughs> wow. But uh, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for responding. We have been getting a lot of uh, more responses and questions. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we appreciate this. We'd like to be able to address some things that are relevant and things that you're thinking about. And so uh, thank you for that. Make sure you subscribe. And, of course, please give us a rating or a review. Absolutely. And we look forward to being back with you on Wednesday. Just one sec. I'm sorry, I just had to had to sneak that in there. I, some people wouldn't know what podcast had to listening wash it to. Down. I had to wash that baby down. So we'll look forward to being back with you on Wednesday. Have a great day, eh? And uh, give some thought to what's been said. Uh, we want you to make application from what you've heard and uh, bring it back on Wednesday. This is the Tim Talks. I'm Al. That's Dan. We're your hosts. And we're glad that you're along with us. Have a great day. You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.